Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy the following message. All right. How's everybody? Y'all good? All right, students, y'all live? You alert? Who's going to be the first one to fall asleep? Good. If I make eye contact with you, I'm calling you out and you're coming up here with me. Oh, oh, yeah, man. It's amazing how everybody kind of straightens up and like, oh, got to be alive and alert. It's good to be with you. All right. Who of my, who are the people in the room this morning were um, host homes, parents that are host homes? Let me see you. Would y'all stand up? Awesome. So here, here's the better question. Students, I know, how y'all, I know y'all had a good time. Parents, are y'all all right? You doing okay? Anything broken at the house? No? Any pranks? Anybody get out of line? Have to call moms or dads? Well, then what did we do this weekend? You stayed up? Too late. Too late. Stayed up too late. Awesome. Well, I hope that this was an experience for you guys that you'll look back on and think, wow, I experienced Jesus in a whole fresh new way. I hope that that will be, will be true of you, and I hope that it made a special impact in your life. Uh, thank you all for being here. This morning, we're going to hop in, and we're going to talk about a fun topic. Y'all ready? We're going to talk about God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. Sovereignty meaning God's reign, his rule, he's in control over all things, which for all of my control people in the room, you're probably going to want to have a, have a fight with me as you walk out these doors. God is completely and totally sovereign. He's in control. He reigns and rules over everything. Now, here's a couple of things that I need you to keep in mind. For over 2,000 years... People have been debating the complexities of God's sovereignty. So please understand that in the next 30 minutes, I am not going to solve the complex issues that come with God's sovereignty. A 30-minute sermon, I cannot say all the things that I wish I could say. I'm going to boil it down to six, but even as I was praying this morning, I came up with like four or five more. Don't panic. We'll set those aside. You can find those in an email later, I'm sure. But we're going to talk about the bigness of God. We're going to talk about his grandeur, his majesty, and the fact that he truly is in control over everything. And that's a good thing. Remember, we've been talking about God's character and his bigness and the reality that we are limited. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing for you and I to be limited. And it's okay to live in the tension of God's infinite nature and our finite nature. It's good to live in that tension because it's in that tension where you and I are forced into worship, so to speak. We're forced to worship something that is far bigger, far greater, far more powerful than you or I. And so we fall at the feet of Jesus and say, worthy are you. Worthy are you. I I don't have anything. (laughs) Worthy are you because, Father, you are far greater, far more perfect than we can ever dare to dream or imagine. You are worthy. You are worthy. Now, here's my hope for you this morning. I want everybody to... Take your hands, what you do like this. What you look at your hands, palms up. Okay, palms up. Everybody, we're gonna start the service off different. I want everybody to do it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep going until you do it. I know, I know, it's hard to do this. 
All right, I want you to look in your hands. Got it? Everybody looking? Everybody doing it? Jeremy, you up there? You doing it? All right, I see you, brother. All right. We have a choice. Each and every day, you and I have a choice. Every moment of your day, you have a choice to choose whether or not you are going to hold on. You're going to hold your life by your hands. You're going to grip your life, controlling the narrative of your life. You can hold on to that thing. Or you can release your hands, you can open them up, and you can let go and let God be in control of your life. Now here's the reality in this choice, okay? The reality is, is if you, if you, I'm gonna hold on, I'm gonna hold on, I'm gonna hold on to control of my life, here's the deal. You're gonna make yourself and everybody around you miserable. Whereas if you say, okay, God, I don't know all the answers. I know I'm limited in my nature. I'm gonna open my hands and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand it over to you and I'm gonna say, Lord, use me, teach me, lead me, guide me, and for goodness sakes, take the will. So what choice are you gonna make today? What choice are you gonna, wake, or are you gonna make when you wake up in the morning? Are you gonna choose to hold on are you gonna to choose to re release? Release it to God. Now, how many of you are fishermen in the room? How many of you been fishing? Awesome, how many of you have been to a stocked pond and you saw a sign on that stocked pond that said something like, catch and release only? Handful of you? You know what, catch and, so catch and release, here's what that means. It means you can fish, you can throw the line, throw the line in the water, you can hook a fish, you can reel that fish in, but once you pull that fish up out of the water, you take the hook out of its mouth, what do you do? Does somebody say, did somebody say, oh my gosh. No, you release it. You release it back into the water. That's catch and release. See, this is how we live in the sovereignty of God, in his control, in his power, in his rule. With our lives, we adopt a philosophy called catch and release. See, what I want you to do as we walk out of this room this morning, I want you to be thinking, I'm gonna adopt this idea, this philosophy of life called catch and release. As soon as I realize that I am holding on to life, I want you to be reminded that God has called you to catch and release, to release the control of your life back over to him. And believe me, this is an ongoing thing, isn't it? With our lives, our kids' lives, our grandkids' lives, our everything about us, we wanna hold on tight to it. And every time we do, I want you to, I want you by the power of the Holy Spirit to go, wait, Pastor Logan said, catch and release. Because you're designed to catch and release. I want you to release your life over to the God who has both the power and the authority to act. See, God being fully sovereign, fully in control over your life, he's the only one who actually has the power, that's the omnipotence, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, and also the authority to act. And see, when you and I wanna control the narratives of our life, here's what we're doing. We're attempting to play the role of God. And God's saying, hey, you know, the more you do that, 
truly the more miserable you are. And by the way, the more miserable you are, the more miserable everybody in your circle is. God has called us to catch and release, to catch and release. I love this. This is a great, this is a great um, summary of the sovereignty of God. Theologian A.W. Pink, here's what he writes. I want you to catch this. The sovereignty of God, of the God of the Bible, is absolute, it's irresistible, and it's infinite. The sovereignty of God is absolute, irresistible, and infinite. When we say that God is sovereign, here's what we're affirming. We're affirming his right to govern the universe, which he made for his own glory, just as he pleases. We affirm his right as to the potter over the clay, to form the clay into whatsoever form he chooses. We affirm that he is under no rule or law outside of his own will and nature, that God is law unto himself, and that he is under no obligation to give an account of his matters to any. I love the picture, the potter and the clay. Does the clay dictate what the potter does with what's in his hands? No. And yet the potter creates a beautiful masterpiece, a piece of art, a work of art that is used. Isn't that beautiful? That when we entrust our lives over to God, we allow him to be the potter over the clay. Here's what God does. He does something with your life. He creates a wonderful piece of art that you can be used for his glory. But see, when we try to control our lives and control the narrative and we hold on to that life of ours, the lives of those around us, we're refusing to allow God to work in our life, lives. We're pushing back against him and he's saying, hey, listen, I wanna use you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I wanna use you, so let go and let me. Let me work, let me work in your life. Let me show off in your life, I promise you. It'll be far better if I'm working in your life than anything that you can do with your own life. So sovereignty, I've got six things for you, okay? Six things, I told you I got like 12, but really I'm gonna try to narrow it down to six and we'll just see what the Spirit does here. Number one, we've done this every week. God is sovereign over creation. It all goes back to creation, guys. It's amazing, Genesis is the first book of the Bible and there's a reason why it's the first book of the Bible because there, everything else flows from it, flows from the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God. Nothing existed before God, everything flows out of God. <laughs> it's, that's great. It means that everything finds its origination in God, everything begins in God and because everything begins in God, he has the authority over everything he creates. Which that means that you and I in this room as the pinnacle, the masterpiece of his creation, God is telling us from the very beginning of time, he owns the authority and the control of your life. So no matter how hard you fight, no matter how hard you try, God still owns the authority over your life. He owns it all. Revelation chapter four, verse 11 says that for God created all things and it is by his will that they existed and were created. Listen, 
The fact that you are in this room has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with the good and perfect will of God. It was his idea to create you. It was his idea to bring your mom and your dad together where you were conceived and brought forth in a, room, in, a, in a womb and now have life in your lungs. Wow. That's incredible that Psalm 8 would say that God is mindful of you. Nobody on this earth, you may have nobody left in your family, you may have nobody, you may be sitting in this room thinking nobody cares about me, nobody knows me, and I'm here to tell you that the creator of the universe sees you, knows you, and loves you. Because he created you. He created you. All things begin with him. For God created all things by his will, they existed and they were created. It's pretty cool. God is sovereign even over the elements in creation. So not only create the creation narrative, but also the elements of creation. So rain, snow, wind, water, all of it. Even in Lubbock, Texas, where you can get four different types of seasons in one day. <laughs> it's the craziest thing you'll ever experience. God's sovereign even over that. You'll see it in Exodus chapter 14, right? God splits the Red Sea for his people. The people of God, Israelites, are standing right here. The, the Red Sea is in front of them, the Egyptian army impending, moving quickly towards them. And what does God do? Well, I love what it says. The text says in verse 21 that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And notice this. And the Lord... Drove the sea. Was Moses, did, it, was, did Moses do that? No. God did it. God spoke creation into motion and he spoke the sea into a division. And what, what happens? The people walk on dry land. The waters were parted. The people are preserved. God split the Red Sea in half. In the New Testament, it's not just true of the Old Testament, it's true of the New Testament as well. The New Testament, maybe you remember the story of the disciples on a boat a storm picks up on the sea, the wind's raging, waves are billowing into the boat, and crazy enough, Jesus is asleep. The disciples are like, what in the world? How can he sleep through this? Peter runs and he grabs Jesus and says, Jesus, you gotta, you gotta wake up. We're gonna die. And Jesus rebukes them. He says, oh, you of little faith. And then what does Jesus do? Matthew chapter eight, verse 26, here's what he does. Then Jesus arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. There was a great calm. You know, I, I often think, I, I wonder what the most surprising moment in that boat was. Was it the fact that Jesus was asleep? Was it the fact that he rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith? Or was it the fact that Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves and they listened? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being on that boat as Jesus rebukes the wind and the sea and then all of a sudden it just, a great calm comes over the sea? Listen, I can tell you, if Jesus has the power, and he does, to calm the raging sea and that boat he has the power to calm the raging sea in your life. No matter what you're facing, 
Jesus has the power to calm the raging sea in our lives. God is sovereign over all of creation, but also I want you to see number two, that God is sovereign over his word. By word, I mean this right here. This thing that we call the Bible, his revealed word, the way that God has revealed himself. He is sovereign. He is in control over this. That's the reason why that after 2,000 years, nobody's been able to prove this thing false. That's kind of wild. This is the most examined, evaluated, criticized book on the face of this planet, and yet it is still the world's number one bestseller. And nobody's been able to prove it false. Why? Because God's in authority over his word. Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 11. I love this. This is God speaking to Isaiah, and here's what he says. He says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and they do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which, who? I, purpose. It shall accomplish that which God purposes, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. It shall succeed in the thing for which God sent it. I love these verses because it reminds me that God is in control over his word. He has a purpose for it, and he is doing something in it. So hear me, when you get up early in in the morning, you stumble over to the coffee maker and thank the Lord for coffee, you pour that first cup of coffee, you sit down at the table, you open God's word, here's what you can know for certain. That even in the moments when you're exhausted, your eyes are barely open, God is going to use his word in your life. He promises that. That even when you can't see the results, God is at work. He's at work in your mind. He's at work in your heart. And he's at work in your life. And just so you know, in this revealed word, God tells us his will for you and for me. That's for you to be sanctified. For you to look more and more like Jesus. And so every time you open up the word, every time you submit to God's word, every time you believe what it says and you apply it to your life, thereby living in obedience to it, God is doing something in these words. He's transforming you into the image of his son, Jesus. Y'all remember when Eugene, last week, he was preaching and he was talking about that, right? That the, the word becomes alive, it becomes alive in crisis. He, was t- he had so many great examples of these moments when they're in a pinch and all of a sudden God comes through and then Matthew chapter six where he tells us not to be anxious over uh, what you eat and what you drink comes alive. It's hard for that to come alive when I can provide for all my needs. But it's in the moment when you can't that God reminds us that he's gonna accomplish that which he purposes and so he comes Through his word, he provides people right when they need it to be a blessing and provision for his people. His word comes alive. God is sovereign over his word. Number three, 
God is sovereign over governing authorities. Do you guys ever feel anxious over our world? Do you feel anxious over our country? Do you feel anxious over all the things in the news that you see? you feel anxious? you feel worried? Concerned? I mean, I know I do. I mean, I, I'm to the point now where I, I, I can hardly even watch the news because all it does is spur up an angst in my heart. And then I go to Romans chapter 13 and here's what I'm reminded. I'm reminded that God is in control even over our governing authorities. Here's what he says in verses one through two. He says, Paul, he's writing this. He says, let every person be, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Hear this, this is important, you need to hear this. For there is no authority except from God. There's no authority except from God. No authority. And those that exist have been instituted by God. The Greek language helps us with this. Here's what the Greek language says. There's no authority given except by God. It's exactly as you read it. There's no trick. Every authority on this earth is instituted by God. Our president is instituted by God. Putin is instituted by God. Every authority Good, bad, and everything in between, all authority comes from God. Here's an illustration. Maybe it'll help kind of land this at home in our neighborhood. Paul's writing this letter to the Roman church. You know when he's writing? AD 56, 57 ish. Do you know who is in power when Paul is writing this? Nero. Do you know who Nero is? According to history, he is the cruelest Roman empire or emperor that's ever led the Roman Empire. And what is Paul telling them? All authority is given by God. All authority is instituted by God. Did you know that tradition says that it is by the hand of Nero that Paul was martyred just a few years later? All authority. All you gotta do, read the Old Testament. God raises up leaders for blessing, right? When the people of God are following him, living in obedience to him, he raises up leaders and they bless the people of God. And then what, they, what, what happens is they step out of line. God raises up leaders for judgment. Why? So that they would return back to him. God raises up rulers for blessing. He raises up leaders for judgment, all for the good purposes of calling his people back to him. Are we as God's people gonna return to him or are we not? 
are we going to answer the call of Jesus knocking on the door and saying, hey, come to me, fall back to me, I have a plan, or are you going to try to continue to control your life, are you going to try to control your country, or are you going to give it up to me? For I have all rule on heaven and on earth. All authority is mine. I institute all authority. Number four, God is sovereign over chance. Do you know that? God's sovereign over chance. We say this all the time. Well, man, what a coincidence it is, it is to see you here. You ever said that? I say it all the time. As a matter of fact, you know, Eugene, he was preaching here last Sunday. We went to lunch, had a great lunch. It was so fun. He's a great guy, by the way. I, the next time he's in town, y'all need to hang out with him. You, he's awesome. But he left from here, and he went back to my hometown in Midland. And, and I guess this is probably two, two days after um, he left here. I get this text at like 10 o'clock, and it's from our best friends that we grew up with. And here was what the text said. Hey, this guy from Eugene just left our house. And have, have y'all met him? Like, how crazy is that? With God, there are no coincidences, only divine providences. There are no coincidences, there are only divine providences. Solomon, Solomon writes this in Proverbs 16, 13. Here's what he says. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. God is sovereign over chance. There are no coincidences. There's only divine providences. There's never a time where God goes, well, well this is a coincidence. Imagine meeting you at H-E-B. He never says that. He's always in control. He always has a plan. And he's always in control of that plan. He's always right where he needs to be, right when he needs to be there, at the perfect time. Isn't that cool? There's no coincidences. There's no surprises to him. God sends people to encourage us right when we need it, right when we need to be encouraged. He sends a word of warning at the exact moment that we need it. He sends a person to show up to provide for us in the moment that we can't provide for ourselves. He prompts his spirit within us to help us choose right from left, right from wrong. Every moment is carefully planned and well thought out. Every moment of your life is in the hand of Christ your King. Every moment, every detail, every second is in God's sovereign control. Number five, God is sovereign over salvation. God's sovereign even over salvation. I want you to hear these words from the Apostle Paul. He's writing in Ephesians chapter one, verses three through six, and I just want you to hear the words. So Paul says, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us according to the praise, or, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the capital B, 
beloved. Now understand, there's a ton of debate about this. And we don't need to get into that debate. We don't need to get hung up on words. We don't need to get caught up on phrases. Here's what we need to get caught up on. You ready for this? If you have said yes to Jesus, if you're in the room, you said yes to Jesus. Yes, I am a sinner. Jesus has come to this earth. He has given his life for me. I want that. I want to follow him into the grave and out of the grave. If that is you, you have said that this morning, then I want you to know that before the foundation of the earth, before it was ever laid, before you were ever a twinkle in your mom and your dad's mind and the twinkle of their eye, God saw you, he knew you, he set his love on you, he saw you as the uh, orphan in the corner and said, hey, that one over there, that one is mine, and he adopted you into his family, he gave you his name, a seat at his table, lavished you with the riches that you have in Christ, and said, this is my son and this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Wow. He's adopted you. He's given you his name. You no longer go by your name. You're no longer a son or a daughter of wrath, but you are now his son, his daughter. You've been given a new name. You get to walk in newness of life and understand that this is nothing of your own doing. Ephesians 2 says it beautifully, verses eight and nine. It says, for by grace... It was by grace that you were saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. In other words, in the salvific moment, you brought nothing to the table. It is a gift. A gift can't be taken. It can only be received. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Listen, it is God's spirit working in our hearts, beckoning us to accept his call in our life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 10, no one comes to the Father unless the Father himself draws him unto himself. It is the Holy Spirit working in your heart and my heart beckoning us to say yes to the king. Now, yes, you have to say yes. You are not a puppet. That God is up there working these strings. He beckons you by his spirit to say yes, to not quench his spirit, but to, to take a step of faith and say, yes, I want that. Yes, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. But understand it is by the Holy Spirit. And maybe the Holy Spirit is working in your heart this morning. You've got this tugging, you've got this tension in your heart and you've been wrestling with, maybe you've been wrestling with your whole life and you just never know what that thing is. It's placed there by the Holy Spirit to say, hey child, it's time. Come see me. Come to me. Come to me. I, you're my son, you're my daughter. I, I wanna invite you into my kingdom. I wanna put a crown on your head. I wanna put a ring on your finger and I wanna robe you in my righteousness so that you are no longer defined by your sin and by your former way of life, but you are defined by my 
righteousness, the righteousness that's in my son. I no longer see you by your sin, but I see you through the blood of Jesus. Come. Maybe that's you. If it is, I would love to talk with you today about how you can take a step of faith, experience God's salvific work in your life, and you will never be the same. If you wanna talk after the service, I would love to do that. You can go out to Connection Central. They would love to do that. But understand this morning that it is God working in our hearts, causing us to worship, causing us to say yes to him. Number six, God is sovereign over the future. While living in exile, God raises up this prophet. His name's Jeremiah. Jeremiah gives him a word to share with his people. And here's what God tells Jeremiah. You've probably seen it on a thousand coffee cups. Here's what he says. This is God speaking to Jeremiah on behalf of the people living in exile. For I know the plans that I have for you, Israel, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, for your well-being. My plans are not for evil. They're to give you a future and a hope. Now understand this morning, who is it that sent them into exile? It was God who did that. God sent them into exile. God raised up the Babylonian army and the Babylonian kingdom. Army comes through, conquers them, rules over them because they refused to follow him. Now, as you can imagine, living in exile, I'm sure that they felt abandoned by God. I'm sure they felt lonely. Surely, does God even know what we're going through? Does he even care? He's the one who sent us into this place, got us into this mess in the first place. Does he even know? And what does God say? Hey, Israel, I see you. I know you. I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. As a matter of fact, I've got a plan for you. It's a plan for your well-being. I'm calling you to return to me. The reason why you're in exile is because you are wayward from me, and so he's calling them back to him you know, it's like that discipline when you're a kid. You remember that? Right? You, maybe you lied. I don't know what, what the rules were in your home, but let's just say you lied and dad comes in and he says, hey, that's grounds for a spanking. You go into the room. Maybe you run around the circle of the, the, the coffee table, the couch, pleading with them not to do it. But anyway, you go into the room, get the spanking, and then a couple minutes later, dad comes in and he says, oh, I love you so much. I'm so sorry I had to do that. It hurt me more than it hurt you. And you think, Dad, there's no way that that hurt you. There's no way. On the other side of that moment, maybe now you're a mom, you're a dad, and you understand those words in an all new way. You come in the quietness of that room and you say, son, daughter, you don't understand, but that hurt me more than it hurt you. God had a plan for Israel, but in order for God to work out his plan for Israel, it took some pain. It took some suffering, but just because it took some pain and it took some suffering doesn't mean that God is not fully in control of it all. And hear me, if God has a plan for Israel, I want you to know that God has a plan for you. It's a plan not for evil, but for good. 
We're gonna be talking about the goodness of God in the next couple of weeks. God has a plan for your well-being if only, hear me, if only you will catch and release. Psalm 128, verse six. In that particular passage, God says, I will work out my plan in you. But you gotta catch and release. You gotta be willing to go, okay, God, I, mm, I'm gonna have to trust you, I'm gonna have to take a step of faith, and I'm gonna catch and release my life over to you. I'm gonna give my life to you. I'm gonna entrust my life to you. Now, I know what you're thinking. Can I trust him? I think that at the end of the day, the reason why we don't catch and release, it's so easy to say, it's easy for me to get up here and say that. But I know that as soon as I leave here, I am gonna have the tendency to wanna hold on to my life, to wanna hold on to the future of my kids, of my home, of my job, of my stuff. I wanna hold on to it. And I think the reason being is because at the end of the day, if we're just really honest, I hope we can be honest. Can we be honest? At the end of the day, I think deep down inside we think, but God, what if you don't work out your plan the way that I have it all worked out? Right? What if your plan doesn't line up with with my plan, and my plan's great, I see it, I, I got this beautiful picture of it. And yet, the more we try to control our plan, the more of a disaster we make out of our lives. Because at the end of the day, we neither have the power nor the authority to act in our life. We may try to control the narrative. We may think, oh, I've got the power, I've got the authority. And yet God, by his spirit, is whispering to you even right now and saying, hey, let me just let me pop that bubble. Let me raise up rulers, governing authorities to remind you and to remind me this morning that you have zero control over your life. You have zero authority. You have zero power. You have zero uh, ability to act on the plan of your life. And sure, you can, you, you can think you do. But at the end of the day, your life and my life are hanging in the balance of Christ our King. Right there. He's got the whole world in his hands. And yet so often we want to take them take that world right out of his hands and we wanna put it in our limited, fallible, broken hands. And so this morning, I want you to take your hands back out. Take them back out, I'm not gonna go until we do it. Just take your hands out. I see some of y'all aren't gonna do it, I'm not gonna keep going. That clock is telling me I gotta land the plane and I'm not doing it until you do it. Listen. Are you gonna choose to catch and release? Or are you gonna hold on? Are you gonna catch and release? Are you gonna hold on? What are those things? Right now, look at your hands. What are the things that you're holding on to? 
What are they? I know, that, I know you're thinking through them because you know, and I know. I know exactly what I'm trying to hold on to right now. And here's what I want you to do. In the next few moments, I want you to release them over to God. We're gonna go to the Lord in prayer and I want you to take the next minute of your life and I want you just to submit them, push them across the table. Say, God, I'm gonna give these things to you who has the power and the authority to act on them for they are safely in your hands and not mine. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you have all authority in heaven on earth. God, that may be hard for us to take this morning, yet nevertheless, it is true. And it's in your sovereign control and reign that you give us the choice to choose. Am I going to give my life to you? Am I gonna release my life and those in my world? Am I gonna give those to you or am I gonna hold on to them? This morning, I pray, God, that we would entrust all that we have and all that we are to you and to your sovereign, capable hands, hands that have both the power and the authority to act in accordance with your good, perfect, and holy will. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.